the black box that you don't know, try to figure them out better is really a key to to really developing, I think, a, a strong biosecurity in a regional or, or uh, area that will minimize the risk of disease introduction. A whole new era of communication in the Canadian swine industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds of the Canadian and global swine industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Swine Veterinary Partners comprises four well-established clinics across Canada. Precision Veterinary Services, Premier SHP, Demeter Veterinary Services, and Demeter Services Veterinaries. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible source of protein with a low level of potassium, giving young animals a healthy start. Our nutrition group includes four companies, Nutrition Athena, Shakespeare Mill, Farmhouse, and Nutrition Partners, which serve swine producers all across Canada. Welcome to the Swinet Podcast Show Canada, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting edge insights and everything that's working in the Canadian and global swine industry. Swine Veterinary Partners offers a full range of animal health and production services to Canadian pork producers. We approach health management through personalized solution with concern for profitability while taking into account performance and the well-being of your animals. Welcome to SwineNet Canada. My name is John Patience, your host for today's broadcast. And with us today, we have Dr. Luke Dufresne, who recently joined Swine Veterinary Partners, a group of four veterinary clinics that focus on swine herd health located across Canada. Uh, And so we're delighted to have Luke with us today to talk about biosecurity. So welcome, Luke. How are you today? I'm very good, John. Thank you. Great. Before we get started and talking about the topic that I think is uh, you're kind of near and dear to your heart, um, maybe you could give us, uh, give the audience a bit of your background on, um, you know, sort of where you got started and uh, how you ended up in the position that you're at today talking about biosecurity. Okay. Uh, well, I'm, I'm uh, born and raised in Quebec, uh, Canada. I'm, I'm a concrete veterinarian. My dad was a furrier, actually. So not exposed to, to pig <laughs> farming at all. Then um, I went to vet school in uh, St. Hyacinth in Montreal, graduated in 88. In the, the last year of uh, vet school, I was thinking dairy farming, but I went to Davis for an internship and started dealing with big population medicine there. And I fall in love with large population epidemiology. That's why it kind of drive me to go work in the swine industry. So because the, 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 at the time, the dairy farm in Quebec were about 30 to 50 dairy farms. So it was a different type of medicine at this time. So I basically worked for a company called Shergain in Quebec, which was a, a feed company, but also had some integration of swine there for nine years, then moved to the States and went to work for Browns of Carolina, which was the initial production system of Smithfield Food was there for four years. Uh, then with the PIC for two years, and I joined Seaboard as director of their vet, veterinary service in 2004 and was there until uh, 2023. And then uh, shortly now, I joined the Swine Vet Partner 
in the, in Canada, which I'm pretty excited to come back. A lot of change now, right? To get back, we've not been in the in Canada for 25 years now, so it's a uh, quite a quite a bit of change coming up right now. I'm sure. I'm sure lots of adjustment going on in 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 your life, and I'm intrigued. And maybe if you could spend just a few minutes talking a little bit about the swine vet. Uh, swine veterinarian partners, because uh, I'm intrigued by that, the multi-clinic uh, um, collaboration or working together uh, in a coordinated way. So if you could tell us a little bit about that, I think it's an interesting model. Yeah, it's it's basically for clinic. It's Demeter Quebec, Demeter Ontario, Premier SHP in Manitoba and Precision uh, Veterinary Services in uh, Alberta. And all of those clinics have basically kind of joined force to to share technical knowledge and expertise and uh, and work together. Uh, so I've basically joined uh, joined that group of of clinic and work with with we start working with all of them pretty soon and most on on an area of of second line uh, diagnostic and second line uh, vet. Uh, work and also uh, try to lead um, and mentor uh, the younger veterinary group and also help mm-hmm. on the research yeah. and development aspect of it. Right on. You bet. And I, I have a question um, that's it's an unexpected one, Luke, but I just, I, I'm curious about that. And I'm curious about this model. And um, and oftentimes we'll see in, in Canada, at least, that the veterinarians within a clinic will have all graduated Maybe not all from the same veterinary school, but most from similar veterinary school because Canada's kind of um, geographically laid out when it comes to veterinary training. But with with SVP, you now have the opportunity to bring together veterinarians that have been trained maybe in Saskatoon or maybe in Guelph or uh, or Saint Hyacinth or maybe even PI. I don't know, and even a veterinarian from other country too. Right, so. Is there a difference? Like, does that bring something different to SVP? Like, is there a difference in philosoph- philosophical training amongst the veterinary schools that when you bring people together from those different schools, they it creates, you might call hybrid vigor that if we were geneticists uh, it is or is it pretty much similar across the training is pretty similar I, I i think it's 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 a combination your 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 schooling is an is an important part of it but your experience with the type of customer that you're dealing with either if it's uh, working with colonies or working with integration producer or w- working with genetic company all of those have different objective or how they operate. So, so you have that combination of that personal experience, but also the type of cons- the type of customer you were dealing with and the type of production they have that bring your the wealth of experience. So it's a very uh, okay. different yeah. type and very va- uh, group that has a lot of different experience, and that bring I think a lot of um, of uh, synergy and a lot of. Uh, increase uh, brain power that is interesting so so for me uh, what I, I what I bring for the last 25 years is not a high health experience I deal with a lot of disease for a lot of, a <laughs> yeah, lot of time right. so it's going to be a nice change to to work in in the uh, in Canada in system that have much higher health than what I've dealt with in, in the, for a while Right. Great. And sort of kind of get off on a tangent there. But as you were talking, I thought, see, I wonder, I wonder how that works with, but, but your point's well taken. And I can see that it's not only the training, but it's also the post-training experience that you, you get working with different uh, 
not only different clients, but different kinds of clients who have different objectives and, and view uh, uh, swine medicine in different ways. So thanks for that. But I'll, I'll bring us back on topic here. Sorry. And, and, um, uh, but we're going to talk about biosecurity uh, today. And Luke, you said you wanted to talk about biosecurity more in a global context. So maybe if you could introduce first the subject of biosecurity um, and what you mean by taking a global approach and why you think it's so important. Okay. Uh, basically, when you talk about biosecurity, is basically the, the basic set of rules you try to put in place to overall protect the farm against the introduction of new pathogen. And and the way we've looked at it has been has been really toward in, very inward uh, philosophically. We look at what are the risks of getting disease into my farm. What can I do to protect my farm against the introduction of disease? And 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 it's it's a really kind of a one on one type approach. When you start working in a system like I did for a long period of time, we start looking at it a little bit more differently and looking at what can we do to protect a system of production or a group of farm or a specific region. And then you start thinking about a, a country because once a disease is introduced into a specific area, it complicates a lot what you have to do to, to protect uh, that entire uh, region for it. Where if you're looking at protecting a region, you, there's a few entrants that uh, that you have to look at. I, I always take a, the some type, two example I take is is, uh, is a middle-aged uh, castle versus, uh, or uh, more in time, if you like science fiction, is the zombie apocalypse, where you say, okay, if I try to protect my house, I got about every type of entry that could be done. It's very costly, it's very difficult, and you usually fail. Where the approach of having a fortified town or fortified village, then you don't have to worry about your neighbor. You have to worry about the point of entry of that town for the introduction of of disease that really concentrate about the weakness that are there. And when you see usually the failing of those villages was because of, you know, a hided passageway that people were able to enter, et cetera. For us, when we look at biosecurity in the region, uh, it's the same thing. There's two things that need to be looked. It's the, an area that people start talking more now that they used to is biocontainment mean that if you have disease, what can you do to avoid moving it to other region or moving it to 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 uh, favorize the, the dissipation of that disease? You want to try to contain it at the place where it is. And, and after that, it's really looking at what are the port of entry that can bring a disease in a specific region. And that's often is uh, overlooked. And it's very critical because that's where problems start to arise. And those have been a, a little bit more complicated if we look now by, you know, uh, specifically if you look at the United States, as, 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 as we have moved to a multi-site production, we have also moved to a multi-state production, meaning that we are moving pigs from different regions. And when disease happens, if you are a region that is a net importer of pigs, then you see a lot of those virus coming in. And that, that can be uh, very problematic. If you go back in the past, uh, until 1995, we were basically dealing with one uh, strain of SIV. It was H1N1. And then, and then 
that has exploded now to be multiple strain. A lot of it has been associated with reassortment, which happen when population are infected with multiple virus at the same time. As we start doing more old genome sequencing in PERS, we figure out that there's a lot more reassortment that we're thinking happening, that with pigs that are infected with multiple strain of PERS at the same time. The area usually where those will happen is usually in grow finish. And if you have multiple group of pigs in the same region, that those risks happen. And that's, that's an area that is kind of an unintended consequence of multi-site production. But when you look about other entry of viruses, then you start to say, okay, if my region is basically self-contained and I, I've got my uh, saw farm nursery finisher or I'm a net exporter of pigs, then there's very few entrants that come in that region. And those need to be looked at very, very carefully to minimize the risk of introduction of disease within the region. That means that it's not just you as a producer or just you and the, your veterinarian, you basically have to look at it mostly. You've got to be uh, very uh, aware of what those risks are. I understand your region related. Is it a, do I have a packing plan in that, in that setup, which means that it will create a movement of pig in the region? Uh, although the packing plan is, is, um, a dead end, you bring the animal to be to be slaughtered, uh, that uh, area, especially the, the the where multiple farm get in contact, could be a point of introduction, for example, of PED infection, where if the loading duck get infected uh, with, with PED from another region, then the truck from this region that come in contact with the unloading pigs can get infected. And if that truck is not properly sanitized, can infect pig in the region. And then that's how the, the infection start. Uh, a, buying, a buying station where pigs could come from different regions that you're not aware of can bring a disease that is not in that region. And if you allow that, that to amplify, can be spread by aerospread spread or also by truck. So understanding those uh, as potential risk and understand what type of barrier you can put in place to protect the dissemination of disease is very, is very important. We have a lot of... Exp the other thing... Genetic animal, uh, we, we, we have experience with their high health usually, but sometimes sometime things happen and, and uh, movement of, of virus may happen, of meaningful virus into a region can be associated with that. So if you, if you bring a genetic animal from other regions that are coming in your region, getting those animals into quarantine is extremely important. Get them tested is very important to ensure that you don't have any type of introduction of disease. And if that happens, try to take care of them quickly is important. Yeah. It, um, as I listen, listen to your, your thoughts there, Luke, it, I'm, I'm really interested and it emphasizes to me um, more of a two-way consideration rather than a one-way consideration where instead of just worrying about what's getting into my barn, you have to be worrying about what might be leaving your barn or when you're bringing in genetics from another area, what's coming in, but then what are, what's also going back out again. And so that raises a point. Yesterday, I had the pleasure of, of chatting with Dr. Kareen Talbot, and she was talking about geofencing and the benefit that computerizing uh, some of these things so they can actually 
uh, keep track of movement and they can um, visualize what the movement has been so they can show it to their staff and say, okay, uh, this is why scheduling is really important and why you follow scheduling, et cetera. Would, do you see a move within the veterinary community in terms of biosecurity becoming more um, uh, uh, driven by uh, this kind of computer capability? And part of the reason I'm asking that question is that when I was at World Pork Expo uh, last month, one of the things that I noticed was a huge change from even five years ago was some of the largest booths at World Pork Expo this year were digital companies, companies that have developed software to monitor things, whether it's the, oftentimes it's monitoring within the barn, the environment, the feed, the water, et cetera, but some are going beyond that. <clears throat> so is that something that you see might be coming more um, involved in, in swine herd health and biosecurity? Uh, most definitely, when you look at the usage of, of, of technology and, and uh, intelligence, we'll not use the AI word because it's kind of a <laughs> no-no right now, they, yeah, they, they yeah. are um, extremely important to understand uh, how dissemination can potentially happen and how those movements uh, of, uh, of disease may happen, who's gotten control uh, in contact and how that can move. Uh, the main thing for us with all those type of information, though, is that it's it's um, you can develop a very very strong approach around your farm, but you've got to also understand broader of what is happening around yourself to be sure that even with the system of production, you start understanding your system. Uh, in your region very well, then who are the other points of potential contact that can be at, uh, represent a risk for me? And that's particularly important in Canada when you talk about PED uh, and looking, okay, what are the actual point of introduction? Can I put in place system to detect those introductions very early outside of my system? That, that group... Uh, governmental and producer group agreed on, okay, those represent the risk and, and do a thorough analysis to say, okay, we've got those buying station there. We've got those packing plant here. Those are the movement of truck that go uh, outside and inside. What can we put in place to minimize those risks and how can we um, uh, be able to follow through and ensure that all of them are covered? Because often when those issues happen, we say, uh, if we'd have known then what we yeah. know now. Yeah. So yes. at this point is really looking at, do we have truly cover everything? We have done all that stuff right for our stuff, for our farm, for our movement. What are the other aspects around us that can be potential at risk and what type of monitoring we can put at place? So we've been very strong advocate of, of, of packing plant testing in a region that is because usually that's where going to be the one of the first place, except for PD, that you will see uh, introduction 
or a risk of introduction that you can start then okay if my if my my docking station has uh, were usually always negative and suddenly they're positive then it means that I'm picking up some virus somewhere so then you've got to look, go and so do I need to go deeper into monitoring to find out what happened there and that's is that's really that more uh, approach to see okay can I find where it is and then can I contain it before it starts spreading and infecting a lot more of my population. Because often when you look at certain of those disease, the clinical uh, picture, especially on the growing animal, is not that spectacular. So you can miss it and you can miss it until it's too late. And then the pressure, then the plume of virus, the pressure of infection start to be very high and problematic. So that's that's really when you think about it, or when we talk about biocontainment is being able to recognize early those infections to happen and try to see what can be done to contain it uh, at all level, basically. Right. Well, so if I'm understanding correctly, Luke, what you're really saying here then is, is that we uh, we need to be looking at this almost at multiple levels. We look at it uh, as, as our listeners to the podcast, they may be looking at biosecurity from the standpoint of their farm or their system, but they also have to be looking at it from the standpoint of, of their region. And, uh, and that both, what, what, if I understand your message correctly, is you can't just look at one, you have to look at both because if you only look at your own farm, uh, you're ignoring a major component of biosecurity that at some point is going to come and bite you on the ankle pretty badly. Yeah, and it is it making your job extremely hard at, at the farm level if you don't control it and you've got to get everything perfect, which is is hard to do. And and it's understanding. It's It's a little bit of everything. It's even when you look at transportation, the route – you use is a is a critical one we've we've had experience where we've put pd negative piglet on trailer and they showed up positive at the farm by pcr so why did that happen then we went and, and look at the route and basically that those trailer were taking a route that was going close to to packing plant uh-huh. and it was wet days and we think that it's just through driving through the, the splashing has basically brought it in a IV contamination. That's the only way. And as we switch the route to move away from those higher concentration of pigs, those incidents basically stop to happen. So, so the, there's element of understanding and really being very aware of, of the risk uh, associated with those interstate movement related to bringing a disease into a region, especially when you say, I've got a very high health area and I want to keep that high health. You got to really dot your high and cross your T relate to any of those risks and, and, and say, what is the worst case scenario? And if it can happen, it will, if you don't put measure in places. Yeah. I really like that. Ex- <clears throat> I like that example, uh, Luke, because really that was a good example of you could be looking at your farm and just be absolutely meticulous in terms of your biosecurity. But if you didn't pay attention to what was happening to those pigs during transport and what they were being exposed to, everything you did on the farm was uh, was going to be wasted. Uh, and 
And I actually, an, another example I can give a, a genetics company uh, from the U.S. was opening a, a nucleus facility in Canada. And I remember them spending a huge amount of time uh, determining what the route of transit of the pigs from the U.S. would be to the new nucleus to avoid uh, the introduction of disease to the new nucleus. And, 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 at the, and that was many, many years ago. And yet that, that took them a long, long time because they were trying to figure out what were the risks and then how do they, what route would, would they take to avoid that? So it's interesting. You're still talking about that. Oh yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah. And uh, because when you cross border, if it's a centralized area and you have movement of, of, of market pigs or wean pigs going back and forth, then you have trucks sitting next to each other for a period of time and disease transmission may happen that way. We, we had an experience in the past where we, we're pretty sure related to clinical evidence that the infection of a, of a new strain of PERS in a farm was associated with a movement of truck that, that drive, I mean, was not that far from our farm, was about a couple of miles away, but mm-hmm. the strain was 100% similar and that was the only one in the region. So, so those, those things of, of, as we start being able to do more sequence and, and, and looking and understand more the epidemiology of it, we, we, we start to see those event, uh, happening that, yeah, those, those are risks are real and you really have to put them in consideration when you, you're looking at establishing your, your biosecurity at, at the, at a macro level. Yeah. And as I listen to you and, and your perspective on all this, Luke, I'm reflecting back on your comment about that fate, fateful, positive, fateful move to UC Davis uh, and the uh, training that you received there in the veterinary school on population medicine and so on. So that was uh, that's interesting how that's still playing such a big part of your uh, of your career. Um, so as we kind of wrap up, I'd like to ask you, uh, I'm going to ask you for kind of some take-home messages, but before we do that, um, I'm interested, is it possible for you to share with our listeners just what are some of the most fundamentally important keys to being successful or working towards success in what you're talking about and, you know, regional biosecurity? What What are some of the you know, if you were talking to somebody and you could only, you know, kind of like an elevator talk type of thing. Okay, here's the one or two or three things that I see are just uniformly the most important no matter where I go. Uh, it's communication. Create consensus. is is basically getting everybody at the table, getting everybody understand that that's to their best interest to work together to that need. And, and, and working as a team to understand what are the weakness in a specific system, in a specific area, uh, and working together to bring, you know, solution that, that going to be a good one for everyone. So it's really a, a work of cooperation. I think that's why I say it's a need to be more outward is if you're looking at, okay, I got, to, I got to do everything to protect my farm, which is a good thing. And don't take me wrong. This is the right thing to do. But at the same time, when you look at the overall region of what you're doing, it has to be done in an effort of cooperation and team working to bring the best solution that will allow this, that, that region to stay free of disease. Great. Great. Okay. So as we turn then to kind of take home messages, uh, uh, Luke, one of the take home messages, 
that I've received, and you tell me if it's the right one or correct me if I'm wrong so I don't mislead our audience, but that it um, that looking um, in our own operation is really important and it's a f- very important beginning point for biosecurity as it relates to our own individual operation, but we cannot look at that just uh, in that um, sort of singular level of context. We have to look more broadly because what's going on around our farm is obviously having an impact on the potential biosecurity risks of our individual operation, no matter how well we operate that. So we have to take a more multi-level look at biosecurity. Yes, we have this basically as it's, it's, as I say, looking at outward is, is you've got to work with your neighbors. You got to work with the other system. You have to, as veterinarian work as a group, in exchange about what are the relative risk of of the the region how we operate and how we monitor for those risks and how we react quickly not having only a mindset of of biosecurity but a mindset of biocontainment and right. and yep. and, uh, yep. and yep. understand those because often people will say okay if I have a disease, I got to get it out of that farm as quick as possible. It's not necessarily the best option sometimes because as you put those pigs in the truck and start moving them everywhere, you have more risk. So sometimes leaving it there, let it die so the animal don't are infectious anymore before you move them out is sometimes the best solution. So those those points need to be discussed and talk and 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 having everybody involved and using expert to understand that. But at the same time, Developing those plants in advance is key. And then putting plant of, if that happened, that's how we will operate and function as a group. Good communication group, understanding your region, what's coming in, what's coming out, what are the the black box that you don't know, try to figure them out better, is really a key to to really developing, I think, a, a strong biosecurity in a regional or, or uh, area that will minimize the risk of disease introduction. Yeah. So <clears throat> the word uh, the word awareness comes to mind when I as I listen to you uh, that you need to uh, you're you're proposing that people need to increase their level of awareness as it relates to uh, biosecurity uh, threats and to biocontainment. And I I like your emphasis on moving from a concept of biosecurity to one of biocontainment that, that has a has a more dynamic uh, sense to it than biosecurity. So. Any other final points before we uh, we start to wrap up, uh, Luke? No, I think that's that's you resume it pretty well. That's that's basically it. I think it's time for our famous three. Okay, very good. Well, um, it's our tradition on Swinet uh, and Swinet Canada as well to ask our guests three questions uh, to wrap up the podcast. And the first question I ask you is, uh, is there a book that you consider to be a, a favorite of yours or that you would recommend other people in the industry read that you have found to be particularly helpful in the, just in the broad area of uh, pigs and swine production or swine health? Uh, I mean, it's I, I'll sound redundant on that because most veterinarians say it, but disease of swine remain the, the Bible of, of swine health and production. So it's always a, a book that I continue to refer to. I bought every new edition as they come in, and I think that that's the, the one that you need to have on your bedside as a, vet, as a swine veterinarian. Very good. Yeah. Not surprising, but it's amazing. People 
take it for granted so they don't mention it, Luke. So I'm glad you've mentioned it because people, oh, well, of course, yes, of course that. But uh, then the second uh, question then is similar question, uh, a favorite book, but this is a book that you've read for any purpose. It could have been read for leisure. It could have been read for professional development, but a book that particularly affected you and you would, once again, you would recommend uh, to our listeners. I mean, one, I, I will, I will tell you two, uh, uh, one is the seven habit of highly uh, effective people from Covey. I think it's an old book, but I think it's, it remain, uh, the seven habit remain a true, uh, if you apply them and you use them, it, I think it's always a good tool. And so always a good tool to reread it and remind yourself of, of how to stay first thing first. Uh, stay in, in quadrant of important non-urgent. I mean, especially as a tool to mentor uh, young young veterinarian or young professional in the industry. I think going through that aspect of understanding uh, the key to be effective and efficient is 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 a uh, is a very important thing. And I think that book is is don't don't age. I think it's still very reference. Another one that it's more, uh, it's uh, reality is not what it seems. It's a kind of a quantum physics book that I really enjoy reading uh, to a science aspect of something that I sometimes struggle to understand. My, my son is doing his PhD in, in nuclear physics. So I've, I've, I've seen him working on, on quantum aspect a little bit. And, and uh, that, that is a book that, for somebody that's working more on the biological side of science to go back into the true uh, physics aspect of it was enjoyable for me. So it's a good book for people to want to kind of understand or re-immerse themselves into uh, pure science. Right on. Excellent. Excellent. And then our final question, Luke, as you look uh, throughout the industry, what would you say are some of the characteristics of people who have been particularly successful in the, in whether it's swine medicine or just swine production in general, what are some of the characteristics that have have helped them to achieve the a high level of the success they've achieved? Uh, I, I think that you've, they've, you've got to be a good communicator. You got to be able to uh, rally people at, at the same point. I think, uh, you need to be pragmatic in our aspects. Sometimes, uh, as as veterinarian, we've got to be uh, we got to be careful of not getting too dogmatic and pushing an approach because that's what's supposed to do. What we be teaching is it do situation change? Do we is that because it come from a book? Is it is it truly true can you question it can you approach it and 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 see even the stuff that you have done for a while that i've worked um those change through time and you cannot be um, stuck into it and 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 you've got to question yourself question your your approach and and be sure that you don't do something because you believe in it Production medicine is not a faith-based approach. We've got to have good science to to back it up, and science need to evolve through time. So I think that you great communication, question yourself about what you're doing, and and don't take yourself too seriously. Also, right, 
Yes. Yeah, that's a good lesson, I think, for us all. Luke, thank you so very much for uh, giving uh, your time to us today. I found the, the conversation really fascinating. You've brought up some very interesting point, helping us to evolve in our thinking about bio containment as well as biosecurity. And I, I've certainly learned a lot, and I, I hope that our, our listeners to the podcast have as well. So uh, with that, uh, Luke, thank you very, very much, and have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You too, John.